You are now listening to Abstract Thought, a podcast where creatives talk about all kinds of aspects of their history, their current projects, and where they're headed. And today I'm talking with none other than Tom Gerard from Australia. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Did I, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, Gerard. Yeah. I've heard Gerard. a lot of different pronunciations, but that's what I think I, I put a Gerard. Gerard on there. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's French. I think it's like Gerard. Gerard. <laughs> there you go. You got to roll the R a little bit. Yeah. I can't do that. I can't even say, <laughs> can't even say my own name probably. <laughs> yeah. I went to high school with a couple of kids who like, they rolled their R's all the time. And I was always envious. Like, man, I wish I could do that. It puts a little bit of little extra coolness on the, on the words there. And I just yeah. practiced rolling my R's for like a month straight and eventually <laughs> figured out how to do it, I guess. Yeah. When I was learning Spanish, I, uh, certain words you need to roll your R's and I, I just couldn't say them properly. Really? What, what yeah. do you do in that case? Just pronounce it the best I can. Nothing wrong R- with that. <laughs> Make the sound. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, before we get super far into the podcast, um, if you can just give people a little insight into where they can see your work, whether it be a website, Instagram, social media, or whatnot, just plug away. Sure. Um, yeah, my Instagram is the best place to see what I'm up to. It's uh, Tom underscore Gerard underscore, like G-E-R-R-A-R-D. And uh, I've got a, um, a website, tom-gerard.com. And um, yeah, you can do, it's more bigger projects more curated, I guess. And, uh, also got a web store where I sell things from. Yeah. Cool. Perfect, man. Well, uh, I would just like to say to, to kick this off, I've been a big fan of your work for quite some time. Um, I've been an avid listener to the bench talk podcast. That stuff is, is, is artist gold for just when you're in the studio, you're producing stuff and you're contemplating, why are we here? Why are we painting? Why are we doing this crap? Um, it, it's good to hear fellow artists, uh, especially from worlds away in Australia and beyond, talking about some of their creative process. So um, props to you for putting that on, and it's provided me hours and hours of listening. So thank you, man. No, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I actually started that, um, like I, I wasn't even a full-time artist when I started that podcast. I actually learned through interviewing people, I learned how to become a uh, full-time artist. And Wow. Uh, got to about episode 20. I was obsessed with quitting my job and becoming an artist and I, and I knew lots and lots of artists. And um, so I started interviewing people, but when, by the time I got to about episode 20, I realized the same answer kept popping up when it's like, how do you make it work? And everyone says, you just do it. <laughs> so one it's, day t- it's a terrifying it answer. Yeah. How, well, how did that go I'm for like, you? Did you just quit one day or was it a slow, a slow burn? I had a um, dispute at a company I was working for. I was, I um, was working as a graphic designer and doing packaging and um, for a big like FMCG company. And they just wanted to use more plastic than was necessary. And I was um, putting forth other suggestions and they were um, said no. And then they said, oh, well, there's a desk or there's your door. Choose which one. And I chose the door and uh, been an artist ever since. Wow, man. That's yeah. a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I did. It was, it was uh, no, I remember at the time th- sort of thinking, what am I doing? But, um, you know, I had to stay true to myself. Wow. I was pissed. Yeah. I bet. They, wanted to put, they wanted to put plastic around a glass bottle. It's a bit wasteful, I would say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I said, nah. That's wild. What type of industry was it in, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was saying, it was a big beer company. They wanted to do well, a promo beer with a um, shrink wrap around it. Wild. 
were you like with an ad agency or something or was it like a design type of job? I was freelance. So I'd come in and just work on specialty projects. I, I, I did a lot of, um, I worked a lot over in uh, London as well. And also I worked in Barcelona for a while at, at different agencies and I, I had pretty good experience. So I, I'd come in and work on specialty, uh, specialty projects and hmm. um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'd much prefer doing art. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. way better. You don't yeah, have they're... to be, um, you can be yourself as an artist, I find. You can just, um, like I've worked out, for me, what works best for me is if I just be myself. And then um, because at the start when I first quit my job, I was taking on all these jobs, um, like art jobs, uh, to do paintings that I wasn't uh, either wanting to do or could do with the skills I had. And it was just torturous. And I was like trying to do this thing. It's like it's like first day on the job again, you know, when you feel like you don't know what you're doing, you're not that good. Whereas whenever I just painted my own stuff, I, it, that just flowed out of me so I didn't have to think too much about it. And um, the more I just said, no, this is if you want to buy anything from me or you want me to do any art for you, it has to be what I do. So yeah. That's super cool, man. I, yeah. I can definitely uh, reflect a little bit of that too. When I was at my design job, the whole time I was there, I just was thinking, man, if only I could just do art and murals full time. And it, you know, it rang in the back of my head until kind of the opportunity presented itself. And then, you know, when you're at that time and you know, when the time is to jump and I guess you just jump and see how far you can go, see if you could stay afloat for a while. Yeah. No, I always jump. As I say, leap and the net will appear. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. been wild how that's worked. Um, from your experience, what were some of those first nets that showed up that really kind of saved you early on? Um, I was lucky to get some um, council jobs like murals. That I, I entered an art competition and became a finalist and they got me to paint a mural. But it was really interesting because I thought, oh, this is a great um, break for me to like, win an art prize. Like it's good for the CV and all this sort of stuff. Then they said, yep, here's this wall. And there was this ginormous wall. And they said, yeah, there you go. There's your prize. You get to paint that and everything. And I said, oh, so how much do I get paid? And they go, no, 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 no. You get the opportunity to paint this really big wall. Like, don't worry, we'll buy the paint. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's <laughs> going to take me like two weeks. <laughs> Dang. So I had to, um, and then all, and none of the other contestants said anything. They were all just organizing the paint and all that. And I said, and I pulled them all together. I said, this is bullshit. We've got to, sorry, I can't swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. This is a load of crap. we got to sort this out. Um, you know, we go, can I swear? And then you go, that's a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm <know>, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's early in the morning here. Um, yeah. And I, uh, we ended up getting some cash out of them, but, um, but that, but the mural was in a really prominent location here in Melbourne. And, um, a lot of people, it's still there. It's trash now. It's covered in like tags and throw ups and stuff. Dang. But, um, but, it, um, people, um, you know, still like put photos of it online and I don't know. It's it's be, it helped help get my name known because prior to that as well, I'd been living overseas for six years. So I thought of sort of thought that I'd come back to Melbourne and everyone know who I am and that bit would have been following what I've been doing because I'd established myself as a graffiti artist before I left. And then uh, when I came back, um, no one knew who I was. <laughs> so, I, so this mural was a real big break for me to sort of get. It's like as I say, with murals are like um, billboards. So it's like I had a billboard in the middle of the town advertising my uh, my art, you know. And yeah. then, um, and then um, oh, actually, sorry, there was one mural before that was probably it was the key. It was, there was this one wall. My my friend had a BMX shop, and um, he said, "Oh, come come to the BMX shop and uh, 
maybe you can paint something inside. And I was looking around and there was, there, he had so many clothes and bikes and stuff hanging on the walls. There was no really good space to paint anything. He said, oh, you can do a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's like, and I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, I'm a skater and I'm not, re- don't really know much about BMX. Um, and I just said, oh, look, it's just not going not gonna to work. There's nowhere to really paint. And then uh, I said, but you, he had this massive wall out the side of his um, shop and it was face, it's facing a main road. And I said, can I paint that? And he goes, yeah, go for it. And it's th- three stories tall. I did the whole thing with rollers on poles because <laughs> I had no money at the time. This is when I was still working as a graphic designer as well. So this was on like weekends? And, yeah, I just did it over a weekend. And it was, I remember it was really hot. It was like, um, and I was just roasting in the sun. And um, I had a little, I had a ladder that didn't go that high. And then the rest I just did with roller poles. And it came out all right. Lots of people think I did it illegally, which is good <laughs> <laughs> because it's a bit rough. It doesn't look like you can tell someone hasn't been there with the cherry picker, you know, um, or a scissor lift or anything. So, um, but through the, but that happened to be right behind this um, really well-known Australian artist named David Bromley. And it was right behind his studio. And um, he, there was a paint shop on that same street. And my friend um, sells spray paint and records and stuff out of there. And then um he said, oh, David Bromley was in here looking for you, asking about you. I said, like, what? And he's like, seriously, he was. And I thought he was you know, having a joke with me. But this guy and I don't have a really joking relationship. And I said, are you serious? And he said, yep. And so I went over to his um, gallery and um, dropped off my card and said, oh, David's been asking about me I, and here's my details and stuff. And the lady was like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then um, a while later, I... Um, I uh, I just um, went into his gallery and he happened to be there and I um, introduced myself and he uh, said, oh, I love your work. I saw that mural you did. I absolutely love it. He came to my studio, bought like about five or six paintings and then um, and then uh, he's got a gallery and he let me have an exhibition there. Wow, man. Mm. Yeah, but that That's was really like, cool. a, and, but he really encouraged me as well. He said, this stuff's great. Whereas I thought it was just, I don't know, it's just quick street stuff. To me, what especially what I was doing back then, and uh, you know, I tried to translate into studio work, but it was still pretty rough. It was like things didn't take don't didn't take me that long. They take me a lot longer now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but that was a real big break for me. And and I remember going into his gallery um, when I was still working as a graphic designer and saying to my wife, "This place is amazing." I said, "One day you watch. One day I'm going to show in here." And it was like four months later. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, I didn't so think cool. it'd turn around that quick, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, his support like really um, you know, helped solidify my name. That's awesome. Well, man. Get me started, anyway. You know, absolutely. It just takes one yeah. of those little opportunities, and then like things kind of snowball from there. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty interesting. I have a a buddy of mine who just he really just started doing any studio work at all. He's been a graffiti writer for the past like you know six or seven years, and. <laughs> It's funny that he has these clients kind of approaching him and it's a weird, you know, from his perspective, I'll just, you know, pitch back and forth with him. So, you know, what are you charging for that work? And he's like, oh, you know, I just charged maybe 500 for it. And it's like, dude, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and from his perspective, he's like, I mean, I would just paint this size for free in the streets or like under a bridge or, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. else. So it's it, as a fellow graffiti writer myself and same with you, I, I maybe you can speak to that that adjustment from producing work for free and just painting for the sake of painting to then painting for the sake of a job or, or, or on a commission base. Cause it's, it's kind of a different headspace that I found it. 
Yeah. It's sort of weird when you um when you're not relying on it for money. If you have like a full-time job, like I used to paint walls just to have the spot. Um, you know, you'd see a good wall and you know you could um get it if you just asked, but you know you you wouldn't be able to do something decent on there in the, in the nighttime because it's too prime or whatever. But um yeah, you get get a wall and uh you do it for free if you and you bring your own paint and everything. You say just for the spot. And that's one way, like that's one mentality. But another, but as soon as you start uh, realizing you got to make a living off it and buy your paint and everything else, you start realizing how much everything costs and um, putting a value on it. Like I remember for a while at, at the start, I was charging a thousand dollars a day to paint murals, and I was, um, I thought that was like a lot, of, like rolling in cash. <laughs> but then you see what some murals are paying these days, and it's way more than that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I know a guy did one for um eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's he did nuts, it in a weekend. Man. You know, it's like bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the numbers that get thrown around for stuff like that is really crazy, especially mm. at least in our city, Indianapolis, um, kind of in the middle of the U.S. I mean, if it's tied in with the city or with the arts council or something, I mean, they'll throw crazy money at some of this stuff. Mm. Mm. D- do you yeah. tend to apply for a lot of of open, like, I don't want to say open calls. I guess you could say open calls. Yeah, that's what you call them. Yeah. I don't do them anymore. I used to, I spent a lot of time doing them. I they even take forever, people. dude. Yeah. I hired people to help me write them and everything. And there's so many of them. I just, I just, I just keep getting the rejection letter. I think out of re- applying for like 15, I got two, but the two that I got were really small ones. They weren't that good. Um, whereas in some of the big walls I've applied for, I got the rejection. Like I'd, that, I'd show people what we'd re- done for it. And it was almost like a university thesis. It's like people say, yeah, that's man. like my PhD, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you got to do that just to apply for these walls. And then you just get, a, oh, sorry, you were unsuccessful this time. It's like, what? It took like a month, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And um, so, yes, yeah, so I just gave up on it. And then what I've noticed is like, um, I have people uh, ask me to paint walls and that's when I do the walls. You know, yeah, that's the way. Like, that's the way to have it. Have people <laughs> hit you up for sure. Yeah, yeah, but once again, that comes from painting them, um, and also like I still um, paint illegally on the streets sometimes. You know, not so much these days. I'm pretty old for it, but uh, <laughs> I just enjoy. I go out with my friends on. Um, we ride our bikes around. We all, we got milk crates on the back and have paint in them, and we go out to shitty areas, especially, you know. Um, like industrial places and just ride around clock up like 50 kilometers in a day <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of riding for yeah. sure yeah get up to like eight to ten pieces done sometimes lots that's of like wild big spots as well and yeah it's good fun absolutely you know. dude yeah it's yeah. it's been really fun joining the i don't want to say mural scene but it's been fun dipping into murals and, and fine art after graffiti i found like just the headspace of producing graffiti and being in these like weird urban environments, it puts you in a certain headspace. I mean, I'm personally drawn to some of the more like chill spots that, you know, you've got all the time in the world to sit there and create something that, you know, someone one day, maybe three years from now, eventually is going to walk up to that spot and be like, Whoa, you know, I didn't expect this to be here, you know, because I've discovered artwork in that same regard and had a similar Mm -hmm. feeling. So in a way, I feel like murals kind of mimic some of that, especially if you paint a wall in like a really cutty location in a downtown section that's not right there. Eventually, people will find it and it'll kind of maybe last longer that way even. Mm. 
I've painted some murals in some random places and I've seen them pop up on the internet. Really? Like I, I, I spent like four months in India traveling around and a month of that I had some friends with me and we painted solidly every day. Trave- we traveled from the south all the way to the north of India and those days that we weren't on the bus, we were painting. And, um, wow. And, uh, yeah, we, I've seen some random spots pop up from that trip. And then, um, and then I spent uh, nearly two years in South America like tra- traveling all the way around and went up and then ended up with a road trip across the States. And there's some, a lot of random spots from there as well. Wow, man. You know, Where in the States did you go? Um, that time, I, we came all the way up from South America. Like I started in Brazil and went to the southern, like to, down to Patagonia all by wow. bus and then caught buses all the way to New York City from there. <laughs> so it was a, a really big trip. That's why it took like two years. But, what a um, life, buddy! That is crazy, man. Yeah, it was. It was a big. Um, it was a, a life changing trip. I'd say that. You know, I bet. But, um, man. yeah, just so, yeah. My wife and I saved up all our money, quit our jobs, um, sold everything we owned, and then just did that. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then we ended up in London because she's from there, so we went back to see her family. And then um. But yeah, but painting on those uh, those trips were amazing. But, um, yeah, just I, like because I painted on my own most of the time. There was so, uh, in Colombia, met up with some friends and travelled around Colombia. And my friend who I met up with was a, a writer, um, Very so cool. I got him back back into it as well. And uh, yeah, so like oh, there was like this one went to Santiago in in Chile, and on Sundays there the police don't work. Man, <laughs> met up with these writers. So I did a, one wall with this guy and he took me to this really chill spot. And it was a bit, it was just really just chill, a bit boring, you know. And he said, oh, you want to paint tomorrow? And it was a Saturday on the, that day. And I, and I said, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, but I, I said, I don't have time to uh, paint a, a chill spot like this. But if you want to go do something like in the streets, I'll prefer to do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's Sunday tomorrow. Don't worry. Come with us. And I met up with him. And oh, my God. We were like running through the tunnels in the middle of the city like with buses and cars like whizzing biased and and just like you know across the road from main plazas in the middle of the city like just going for it you know broad day (laughs) yeah yeah like i'm talking proper downtown like (laughs) it's wild and it's still it's like just because the police aren't working there's still people everywhere there's still some Mm. stuff going on you know i'll just loose i was all right just following suit what a wild move of just like yeah the police just on sunday they just you know they're not around <laughs> and everybody knows they're not around yeah. too. Why can't they just pick a random day out of the month to just take yeah. a day off? It's, it's family day for them. But they, they had um, some, um, like uh, uh, that same guy, um, he's so, that's, his, uh, that's, his, that's what he writes. But he, um, he would call me up and go, oh, man, what you up to tonight? And it's like, oh, just going to have dinner with, with my missus and chill. And he's like, oh man, we're going to, we're going to go to the rights. Come to the rights. It's heaps of fun. You know, you throw bottles at police, you drink some <laughs> beers, you know, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I'll go have my missus with, with me. He's like, yeah, she can come too. It's like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty loose guys. Yeah. Yeah. Brazilian yeah, graffiti is pretty intense, man. They do those. Like, I think it's in Brazil. They do like where they climb like super oh, duper high yeah. and they have like the tall yeah. skinny letters and stuff. What is that yeah. stuff called? Uh, I'm probably going to screw up the pronunciation, but it's like um, Pishasha or something like that. They pronounce it X's. So, Dude, they go hard. I can't say it properly. Oh, um, but um, yeah, that's, there's a lot of that around um, Sao Paulo, especially. But lots of other parts of Brazil, but um, Sao Paulo was like destroyed with it. It's really, really fresh. It's, um, 
don't know. I think it's um, it's a it's a real unique art form. Yeah, like definitely. it looks sick. Like it's like you, it's like a Keith Haring painting. So like you see walls that are just covered in it, and it's and no one's touching. They're all into like there's a hundred people that have written on the same wall, and um, just with their tall letters and I don't know. I love it. That's crazy, man. It, they remind me of like the Philadelphia like wickets, like you know where it's like real spinny, twisty, tall looking mm. letters where yeah they'll just fill a whole wall with one tag that's like nine feet yeah. tall. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's. I mean, it's completely different, obviously, but there's some similarities in terms of them just evolving in their own microcosm, a whole different perspective and approach to graffiti. Mm, totally, totally. I love you. Got to love it when you see regional um, styles happening because it's so unique for these days. Um, just you know, with the birth of the internet, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that disappeared. Like I started uh, painting graffiti in '96, uh, uh, but I was a fan of it for years before that so um but just i know i was it was always just around melbourne and melbourne had its own style and then you go to sydney and they had their own style and i know and then the magazines will come from overseas and you know the french magazines with a completely different graph to say the germans and i know it was um good to see that it's uh it's it's still there a bit these days yeah how would you say based on your travels um how has that influenced your graffiti and also your fine art practice? Ah, just uh, inspiration, I guess. And seeing more, like when I first went, uh, the first time I went traveling was in um, uh, 2001. And I traveled till 2004 in um, like, I lived in London and went around Europe and also went to the States. I went to New York and San Francisco and LA. And and just being being, uh, exposed to especially European writers, like I was always taught a certain way in Melbourne. Like I was fortunate to have mentors and stuff, like show me the ropes. But that would, but you know, when you've got someone doing that, they're showing you what um, what to do, but they're also showing you their idea of what, what to do, you know. So when I went overseas, I'd be looking at all this European graffiti that's breaking all the rules that I was ever taught, but I was loving it. And it was um, so fresh and inspirational. And um, then when I came back to Melbourne, I was, had a bit, bit of a Euro twist on me. But like I was... I, I thought, you know what? I didn't learn this in the um, out of magazines and stuff. I was quite proud that I actually learned it over there from European writers. And then, um, and everyone was um, giving me shit. <laughs> God, God, man, what's with the Euro shit? You know. But it's like, but over time, I know I sort of sl- sl- slotted back into Melbourne style again, and then merged both uh, both of them and sort of had my own thing going on. But um. Nice. You yeah. had your own little hybrid there. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what travel, but then also with um, art, you know, you go to museums and galleries and stuff like that. But the biggest thing that happened for me um, to inspire me to become a full-time artist was uh, I got a job in London at um, Christie's Auction House, uh, laying out all their catalogs. And um, I was just looking at art all day and it, <laughs> and it have like the image and then it'd be like the artist and then the, the medium and the size and the price and all that. And just get to look at that stuff all day. But just typing stuff. some of those names up a couple of times, you were probably like, oh God, yeah, <laughs> some big famous <laughs> names in there for sure. Oh yeah. But I didn't know who any of them were. Like oh, I really? didn't, I remember like, I've got a book right here. Like, this is one of the books I laid out and look, it's got Jeff Coons on the front and I, one of these balloon dog. I didn't even know who that was when I went there. <laughs> like I didn't know anything about art. You were just, just a full gra- designer at the time. Well, I was a graphic designer by day, but I was a, just a, a obsessed with writing graffiti and I was painting characters and stuff, but um, sort of 
doing a bit of, bit of street arty sort of stuff as well with the heads I was painting around. But um, but I, that was just because I couldn't do throw ups very well. I was just <laughs> came up with a character instead. But then um, and then that slowly uh, you know turned into my art or the early stages of my art. That's awesome, man. That it's one of the things about your artwork that I definitely resonate with is that it's so in your own lane and like, you don't care what anybody else has to say about it per se. I mean, I'm sure you want people to obviously, you know, have a connection to it, but at the same time, like there's a, a grimy sense to it. And there's like a more ornate, I mean, I don't mean to get too meta here with the discussion, but like you've just kept to that and and pushed it to new levels beyond it just being kind of a graffiti character, if you will. And I just think it's super cool, especially these days with, there's a lot of art that just emulates other art. And, you know, I think all art to a certain extent does that, but it's, it's really fresh to see that you've had this, this approach of mashing your graffiti stuff with, you know, your own fine art and pushing it to a realm. That's like, I've, I've never seen anything like it before. It's super duper original, man. Very oh, authentic. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I think that comes from um, having lots of influences. And once again, that's probably linked to travel as well, because um, I don't know I've, I, I, when I got into art, I got right into art, like when I was working at Christie's. So I started buying um, like books, like on, not like, um, you know, not like art history books, but you know, those ones you see at like, you know, Urban Outfitters or whatever, like, mm. you know, How to Become an Artist or something like that. It, you know, like I'd read all those type of books. And, um, and I remember one of them said, um, if, uh, um, if you draw every day, if, if you don't know what to paint, start drawing every day and just drawing what's around you. And then that'll start, uh, you know, inspiring what to, uh, what to paint. And I still draw every single day. And I started that in 2014 and, um, and I'm, yeah, I haven't missed a day. That's awesome. <laughs> I've got drawing these little red books and they, um, and it's just like black pen and red pen. And, um, that's helped me sort of come up with ideas. And, uh, and then I just, I, whenever I'm painting, I'll look through those books and they, it's sort of, starts with a photo on my phone or a screenshot off like Instagram or something like that. And then, um, and then I'll uh, draw it and then it'll be in my mind and then it'll just come out on a canvas or something like that. But um, that's awesome. But also artists, like if I see like, and if I hear about a new artist and I really like their work or well, not new artists, like discover an artist, I'll, um, I'll do drawing my, my own versions of their paintings or like drawings of them and stuff to sort of get my head around how they work. Hmm. And then, um, and I feel that if you've got such a um, large library of different influences, because um, we're all, and as you said, art imitates art. And even if you're not in, if if you don't think you're copying someone, you still are. Right. Like I know. I, like, yeah, everything's pretty connected. Yeah, but if if, if but if you cop, you know, if you're copying like um, hundreds of people, you know, right, right, you end up with something original, don't you? And that's with like David Bowie and um, the Beatles and all that. We're all saying that stuff, you know. David Bowie was, um, yeah, he, he's like everyone said he's so original, but apparently had like there was, he was writing to theater and stuff like that. And if you if you knew that his theater influences, you see them right in there. And if you knew his like other influences, you can see them all in there. But but most people don't know those influences, so yeah, he's yeah, deemed as being a creative genius. Yeah, that's wild how good. that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not knocking him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. RIP Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. It's uh, I found in a little bit like you were saying on one of your previous podcasts, 
especially during COVID having a bit more downtime and doing, um, in, um, having the ability to kind of delve a little bit deeper into some art history stuff and start reading some of that art history. You know, like you said before, you were reading just kind of books about how to be an artist, things like that. But, um, I think you nodded on your podcast to actually reading some, some art history things. So what, what types of things were you reading and what were you kind of connecting with on the art history side? Um, I'm, uh, I, I do read some art history books. I usually delve into a certain artists though, but, um, I mean, um, I've got dyslexia and I, I not, not the, the strongest reader or writer, if you know what I mean. Um, so I, I prefer to just use YouTube and I spend um, an hour a day studying um, art on YouTube. I have done since the start of COVID actually. And uh, man, I've learned so much. I, um, Cause uh, like it was, I watched one video that said like um, the found the, the fundamentals of art. And I was like, what? Art's got fundamentals? <laughs> and it's like, you know, perspective, color theory, values, like all that sort of stuff, um, scale, composition. And it's like, oh, I know all these. I know them all individually, but I didn't realize they were like foundational. Hmm. And then uh, and then art history is one of them as well. So I've been basing all my studies around the, um, the, the fundamentals of art and I'm uh, just building up my foundations. And, uh, but yeah, but you, but, uh, you know, on that um, the social dilemma documentary, they said don't rely on your um, like what they they feed you on YouTube and stuff. That's all I do. I just like I'd start with like the oh, fundamentals yeah. of art, and I I very rarely search for anything. Every time I go on the YouTube, there's all these amazing documentaries in that um, for me, and um, and I just watch them. I eat my lunch and watch them, and and have a coffee and just I do that for an hour every day. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've it's learned definitely, a lot. My art's completely changed as well. Really? Like everyone's looking at my art going, man, it's like really evolved. And it's like, oh, thanks. It's, yeah, because of lockdown and um, YouTube <laughs> and, and painting, you know. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's crazy when you can kind of hijack the algorithm in a way. Like, you know, as, a, as an artist and especially working in the design realm, you know, mm. okay, Instagram has an algorithm. It's you know, tooled to kind of refeed you things that you already engage with. So mm. if you diversify things you engage with and, and try to find a bunch of inspiration, follow a bunch of different artists, then like every time you open Instagram, it's just like mm. a massive feed of just some of the craziest stuff you've ever even considered before. And it's mm. like a super inspirational place. Yeah. And also um, since uh, COVID, everyone's doing gallery tours. Man, I've been going, I've been going to exhibitions all over the world. <laughs> Because yeah. everyone's doing these virtual tours of the gallery and it's um yeah, it's really good getting to see a lot of work and actually hear the artists talk about their work as well. And as an artist, that's really handy to listen to because, um, you know, talking about your work's a difficult thing to do. Most artists struggle with it. And, um, you know, I've been uh, really interested in seeing how um, lots of great artists speak about their work. Like I like listening to David Hockney. He's, he's really good. Uh, talking about his work he says everything just just as it is and he doesn't um he's very sincere and just keeps it really simple no flaws. well i was standing there and the the light was hitting those trees and it just looked beautiful that's why i put them in the picture like you know what i mean it doesn't he doesn't need to fluff everything up and i I, that's why i really like um listening to artists speak about their art because that um whole uh you know, that daunting side of speak of art talk, a lot of that comes from curators and um, art historians. <laughs> it doesn't come from the artists. Yeah. And when it's the artists all... start talking that talking that stuff, it's inauthentic. Yeah, super you know? meta, like very yeah. 
exaggerational in big yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, you can pick it. Like, oh, because if you watch all these amazing artists on YouTube talk about their work, they just they just tell it like it is and how they feel, and they tell their honest re- reasons for how that inspiration came to them. And then you see some like emerging artists try and do the same thing, and they'll mm. start talking like an art historian or a curator or or someone. Um, you know, I know art writer or something, and they'll be showing off with these big words and fancy language and everything, but they're but they're not hammering home the point, and you can spot it, and it's yeah, I don't know, but you can spot this inauthenticity, you know. Yeah, I always kind of joked yeah. about <laughs> my girlfriend and I call it hashtag art. It's where like it just it becomes so contrived as like the stereotypical art speak. That like it, mm. it's as if you're not even saying anything. <laughs> you're just throwing big words around and just like yeah. hoping that intellectuals will be like, oh, like yeah, that resonates because I know what that mm. word means, you know. Mm. And it, it gets a little bit glib sometimes that way. Yeah, I was speaking to um a gallery manager yesterday. I was out for lunch with him, and he's an art writer as well. And I was asking him about that language, and um. He said there's a thing amongst the art writers is they they that's their craft. Their craft is to use words and it's like it's almost um it's like showboating. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's um it's like it's like showing your dance moves, you know, using these fancy words that you know are like only a certain people know and all that, and actually using them in the correct sentence and all that type of stuff. And so I get it, but um but I don't know, as a uh as someone that's, um, you know, trying to learn from it, <laughs> I have a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They don't make it yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. I had someone write about my own artwork I'd, and, and I didn't even know what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. But I spoke to him about it and we worked it out. He did mm. another draft and it was, he, he nailed it. You know? That's what's up, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your new exhibition that you're doing or your new collection of artworks consequence is that what it's called yeah um yeah the exhibition opens tomorrow which is thursday the 15th um which this will probably come out after that i take it but um yeah it's in melbourne uh at metro gallery and it's a really nice big uh gallery it's um it looks good and i was uh, hanging the show yesterday and it's really good to see it all on the walls Uh, i've done um 26 paintings and five of them a really large, um, you know, uh, just over two by two meter square, and they uh, they started off as my studio walls. Like I was, um, you know, the way I paint is I uh, is I need, you know, I use spray paint, I use airbrush a lot, and they get clogged up. And you need to you need a surface where you can just blast it out and test your paint and make sure it's spraying right and all that. And I I was constantly painting with the studio wall white, like back to white. And then um, one day I thought I'll just I'm gonna um, ply, put plywood over the, all the walls, and then I'll just um, paint, and then I'll just let let it bleed off canvases and all this sort of stuff, and just see what ends up happening back there. And so that's what these five big pieces are. They were my studio walls, and um, and just from testing the paint and then getting the airbrush going, I just started turning them into like imagery. But um, I also took time lapses of it because a lot of the time the wall was covered with a, a, the painting I was working on. So um, you only get to see a little snippet at a time as I was working. And it's more once you've finished, it's like it's this real random, it looks like a, a dream, dreamscape in a, in a way. It's like because there's so many things going on. And um, 
yeah, and that was my main focus. And then I, uh, and also because there's another, there's another uh, series in that, um, in the same um, show, and it's more interiors of my home, but they all featuring these style paintings like hanging on the walls. So wow. I liked. Um, I was looking at, uh, you know, just from all my studies, uh, I've seen a lot of paintings within paintings, and I thought it was. I thought it was an awesome idea. It's just like, oh, you get to do a, um, a two different styles in one, because you know it's like, uh, you know, if you change a style throughout a, a painting, it can be. Um, I don't know. It, can clash it might not. It might not work. You know, but if you do a painting on a wall in in an, in an interior setting. I was um yeah I got right into that and did a, a whole series like that as well, but the paintings that are in the um in the settings are all in the same style as my st- the studio wall paintings. Very but, cool, um, very cool. Yeah, but going back to the the um those consequence paintings, which are what I call the the ones for the studio wall, they I would I would never intentionally paint them, if you know what I mean. Like so, all the colors were chosen from using other other um. Uh, you know, for painting other paintings, and all the um, and all the outlining and all that was done from trying to get the airbrush working. So they just over time they just you just end up with a painting. That's wild, man. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, but they took uh, the whole exhibition took me over a year to make. Yeah. Wow, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I it's took cool. time lapses as well. I'll put them on Instagram. That yeah, next the, week. Yeah. Those will be cool to see. Would you yeah. just use like a GoPro? Nah. No, I put, no, a, I put a bit of uh, put a bit of tape <laughs> on the ground in my studio and stood on the tape and like um, held my elbows in and took a photo with my phone. But I had to straighten them all in Photoshop. Oh That's wow, a pain in the ass. Yeah, and it's still not even that straight. They jump around a bit. But um, so you just took yeah, a bunch of individual yeah. frames and then you're stitching those together after the fact. Yeah, I just I put them. Um, I just uh, straightened them all up and then just imported them into um, Premiere Pro and nice. made a time lapse. Yeah. Very cool, man. That's how many frames did it end up being? Uh, I don't know. When with all of with all five walls, it goes for like three and a half minutes. Wow, man. Yeah, I was going to put it as like a viewing thing in the um in the gallery, but they um they had a real old, they had this massive TV, but it had no USB port on it. Ah, so that's bummer. Cool. Don't worry about it. I'll just put it <laughs> online. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. How did you come to the name Consequence? Um, I just. I just uh, I was thinking about how the, um, those uh, large paintings were just a consequence of doing all the other paintings. And as I was saying, I never worked on them. They were, just, they were just there. They just appeared, you know, so they're just like a consequence. That's really cool, man. Mm. Yeah. Do you so, find that, um, like, from your travels, for instance, like some of the things that happen when you're traveling are unplanned or it's just a happenstance? And if those things like start to influence your work, it's kind of like just through the process of producing your work, it ends up influencing just like what the background of this other frame is going to look like mm. behind it, just from happenstance of things happening in a space, other things yeah. behind it end up having a certain aesthetic at the end of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just life's like that, isn't it? You know? yeah. yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah. You just got to have your um, eyes open and just let it flow. You know, but uh, I was noticing where there were certain things that I work on on these big paintings, and it, I, as a little thing, I think it would, would be really great. But when you take all the other paintings off and you look at where it's sitting and what it's doing, it's like, whoa, that's pretty um intense. <laughs> like on one of them, I've got this tree, 
and I, I and there's this tree and this big trunk and then at the top there's this guy's head like one of my characters but um it's like he's like a god looking over the whole painting because and then the tree <laughs> makes up his body it's like whoa i didn't i didn't mean for it to be like that it just I ended did, up um, that way yeah i did a, a painting of my un- my uncle died uh recently and um i scattered his ashes with my family in the uh in the ocean and uh that day i went to the studio and and worked on this painting i did a uh, a painting of him in there but it's real strong he's like st- it's like he's staring into your soul. <laughs> wow. And it's like, well, I didn't mean for it to be that that strong. You know, I had to sort of cover some of him up. But, right. um, it was too strong. Yeah, it was too strong. It was really like pretty intense. But wow. he um yeah, he had a real tough life. Like he uh when he was young, he um he uh he was into fast cars and stuff in the in the seventies and he uh, had a car crash when he was drink driving and his girlfriend died. And uh <sighs> And then from there, he had he was like he was pretty alcoholic for well he was alcoholic for most of his life or his whole life after that. Wow. And then uh, yeah, he went over. He lived in the states for a while actually. He got locked up in jail over there. And then he uh, which state? Um, oh, what's it called? Um, Oregon. Oh yeah, way up there. Yeah, it was in it was in Eugene. And then uh, and then he um ended up uh back in Australia and he uh. And he found out he had cancer. It was in his seventies. Found out he had cancer, and then, um, and then uh, he he was uh, really drunk one night, and he fell asleep with a cigarette in his hand, and he um died. He killed. Uh, he died in a house fire. Oh man! Yeah, burn his wild. Yeah, he was sleeping on the couch, and just yeah, it went up. But, man, jeez, like, man, tough life, you know. But that's what I mean. He's like he's had a strong life, and and then it sort of shows in that painting. He's like really like staring through you that's like oh, i had to uh, cover up some of it <laughs> that's intense man but I, and then my wife was like leave it that's it's like the strength in it and it's like oh he's you know he's still looking at you but just you know <laughs> yeah, right right yeah how do you uncle charlie you know <laughs> yeah rest in peace man sorry to hear about that yeah. that's a wild no, story it's, it's life man he um yeah i just i, I just hope he's in a ha- happier place you know he's For sure, he a tough life you know yeah so anyway, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, you're good. You're good, man. You're good. Yeah. That's it's a art. part of the. It's a part of the story. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting how different kind of traumatic events can influence like some of the creative sometimes. Yeah. You know? It's it's interesting. Like I don't think that I paint very um emotional like artwork, but to feel, feel to know that I've painted something like that, that I guess I feel the emotion from anyway is um like coming from like a graffiti background, which is very emotionless it's um i don't know and then even just painting like characters and doing stuff very loose it's um i don't know it's uh it's fired me up to paint more stuff like that yeah mm. yeah when you say your artwork doesn't have a whole lot of emotion per se well why do you feel that way um because it just well the, the i guess the, the the male figures i paint anything human is in a cartoony sort of form and then everything else is like is objects, stationary objects, apart from trees and stuff. But, I, but people from Melbourne say that I paint paint Melbourne well, and I think that um, brings up emotion for them because it's linked to their um, hmm. childhood or life experience. But um, but you know, I know everything's. It, I paint stagnant objects and, and cartoony men, you know. So there's not a lot of um, and there's not a lot of real uh, like realism in there. 
but yeah. Did, but when did I painted my uncle, that? I put shadows and I put shading on his face and highlights and that, and I brought it alive. You know. Wow. Yeah. White, whites in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find a little bit of pushback early on when you were doing these like more cartoony figures? I mean, yeah, um, I you know, was the scene in Melbourne at the time very like, you know, hyper realism representational and like, what was the pushback potentially? Uh, there's that hyper realism stuff everywhere. That's just a trend. But for me, like some people love that stuff, but um, I don't, I don't feel it's my strong point and um, it's not a style that I've ever, uh, you know, had any interest in in uh painting and um but with uh the most pushback i got was from um graffiti writing friends i'd say like i'll go out and paint with them and do some characters i'd be like man don't do that whack shit do some letters and it's like oh come on man it's my thing <laughs> let me do my thing <laughs> it's like you know fuck it as you know they still they still tease me about it and that yeah my yeah. favorite thing about graffiti is that it's an art form that <laughs> That's all about not having to follow all the rules. And then there's mm. just endless rules from people who tell you what mm. you're supposed to do. It's like, I thought mm. we got into this to not have to follow the rules here. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, is I'll, I'll like, like I've got one friend that he's still like fully immersed in graffiti. He loves it, but he only paints like chill spots and legal walls. And then he gives me shit about my art career, but it's like, mate, I'm still getting more shit done than you, you know, like, like real stuff anyway. And like, I'm not, I'm not actively trying to do it. It's just a bit of fun with my friends, you know, yeah, as definitely. I say, go on the bike rides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah, always man. find something, but that came from going over, being overseas. Like I'll, because you know, I'd, I'd be on my own so much with a, with a bucket of paint, a roller and a couple of cans of black. And I'll be um, just walking around like Latin America and India and stuff, just looking for spots until I found a spot. And sometimes it'll take like hours, but I'd always find a spot. Whereas um, I guess some other people just paint like chill spots and that because they go keep returning to the same spots. I like mm. finding new ones. You know? Yeah. There's a sense of exploration. That's super important, especially if you're oh. in a new place. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's probably the best way to explore a place. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was living in Barcelona, um, I'd have lots of friends come and, uh, stay with me who are traveling and I'd always say to them we'd, we'd go painting and I'd say look you got hire yourself a bike and uh and then we'll go we'll go do some proper spots and um and we'd ride around and man there was a whole like um areas that were all industrial and then now everything's happening in China they're just all like shut down mm. warehouses and buildings and stuff everywhere but like oh you can do st like stuff on the streets around there as well and it's just crazy it's crazy to think, you know, um, but we were, uh, yeah, we, that, that was um, always fun scouting around there. And none, none of the, um, some of the lo like local Spanish guys would just go and paint the same like legal spots. And it's like, man, you've got like a whole playground here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was good fun. That's awesome, man. I feel like Have we're you... talking about graph a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an important part. I haven't of done the... it for a long time. I'm in my forties, you know, but I still love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an important part of the history. I mean, I, I just recently came from, I, I basically started doing paintings and murals probably two ish years ago. So I'm still kind of fresh out of graffiti a little bit. Not that I don't paint anymore. I, I you know, when I can get out, I'll definitely get out and paint where I can. But, um, you know, I kind of, my personality is zero to a hundred to a certain extent. So like when my, 
when all of my attention is in a certain thing, I find I can give it the attention it needs and really try to like pursue and, and develop that to what it needs to be. So that was graffiti for the longest time. It was always mm. painting as much as possible, no matter what. And, uh, you know, it's taken a bit of an adjustment to try to balance that and keep that going in addition to murals and fine art. But um, I found yeah. that I appreciated graffiti a lot more just yeah. painting for the sake of painting. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I, I felt like I was trying to push graffiti in a certain direction that I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I was almost like over commercializing it or something to a certain extent. Yeah. So I yeah. found that when I made that adjustment, it, it was a bit more fun to paint graffiti after that. Hmm. I found like, cause I, I grew up skateboarding as well. Uh, I found to be good at like, to be good at skateboarding or graffiti, you have to really apply yourself and be, um, do and practice to get good and then, um, not be afraid to, uh, of the consequences that can yeah. happen from like, if it's like doing something down a big handrail or, um, or, you know, painting a train, you know what I mean? Like to, there's certain people that want to be at a, a top level in anything. And it takes a lot of sacrifice. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I was having that exact I was, conversation. I was never that committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. I was having that same conversation with my girlfriend yesterday about like, cause like she's, she's been around enough through my graffiti escapades that she knows some of the characters and whatnot involved. And um, I, I was telling her like some of, we were watching a freight line roll by and just seeing certain names that cross by and she's like, Oh yeah, that's that guy or whatever. And I just kind of told her now that I don't, I haven't been around that scene as much anymore, but I've met some of those characters who do roll by and it's pretty wild to see like the personal sacrifice to like be that up within the, you know, us rail system, like the dedication, the nights that you have to go out, the personal sacrifice to like be on the level to be up that much. I mean, it's more than most can stomach really. And you can spend years in the, you know, North American freight game and not even make the slightest dent whatsoever. I mean, you could really be out like all the time and like no one knows anything about anything you've done. So yeah. when you do see those characters rolling through those, those pieces rolling through, like, you know, you, you know, the sacrifice that came with it for sure. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cars rolling around out there. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm kind of in a, here in the Midwest, it's, it's less industrial areas and more like farming. So we're surrounded by a lot of grain cars and um, mm. soybean cars that go through they, they call them hoppers out here. I'm not, I think they probably call them hoppers out your way too. I'm not sure. No, they don't. We just call them freights. Freights. Everyone know. I got friends that are into them and they, they know all the models and that. I don't, I don't know much <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Freights yeah. was pretty much my, my main connection to graffiti because being from the Midwest, I mean, you're not around a bunch of huge cities that just have like an insane graffiti, you know, mm. scene that's exploding. I mean, our downtown here in Indianapolis, we have probably, 20 30 riders maybe max like it's yeah. real it's real small but like those 20 30 are like really dedicated they paint a whole lot and essentially mm -hmm. the the rail system is the main connection that ties these cities together so you you know you can be a somebody from a small city and play in this international game which is it's kind yeah. of a unique perspective but it breeds it's a type like, of graffiti culture here that it's kind of more focused like on piecing like the internet and yeah. other people get to see it yeah yeah and what you were saying earlier with regional styles too like I've looked through, I'm, I'm relatively young. I'm only like 26. So I, I wasn't able to really see these regional styles in their absolute peak, but just through like looking through old magazines and trying to study the research and the, you know, some of the lineage of these, of these styles here, mm. 
it, it does make me wish that I was around for those regional times, you know, like I imagine in Australia, there were all kinds of like really unique, distinctive regional styles that people were doing. What was it like coming up, seeing that type of stuff like pre-internet? Uh, it was great. It was, um, it's, I don't know, it's hard to think back because it was just how it was at the time. I get one, one way to look at things though, is people were very, um, this is how it has to be. Mm. which is what creates a regional style is influence. And, um, and I don't know, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I, I don't know. But that's just how it was at the time. But it, there, were, there were some um, writers that came over from Europe. Like uh, there was this guy, um, uh, Dwayne, from um, Sweden. And uh, he, yeah, he brought some interesting styles over. And then there were some other writers who were uh, sharing letters with um, – uh, writers in New York as well, and getting out like swapping outlines and stuff, and that brought some new styles in as well. But uh, I don't know, I don't know that that much about uh, the style. That was no one else told. <laughs> it's got to it's got to look like this. All right, <laughs> sure, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I feel like I I came up in graffiti right when like the internet was really popping off and Instagram was really popping off. So like some of the graffiti I was actually super influenced by is like Australian graffiti and like New Zealand graffiti mm. and like askew and burst and a bunch yeah. of like TMD folks. Like yeah. it's, it's wild to think that you could come up doing graffiti in the U S and never like see any graffiti from anywhere else other than your location, mm. you know? So, but yeah, definitely those people who did develop those regional styles and have those specific ways of how things are supposed to be when you see kids painting mm. with like weird, us and new zealand hybrid graffiti styles you're just scratching your head like what is happening yeah i met a friend a friend of mine um we used to paint a lot together in the uh in the late 90s and he uh he was doing 3d pieces and everyone was hating on him because he was doing these like german style like 3d pieces he was doing like top to bottom hole cars on subways and stuff like that Dang. like we in in this style so everyone's like oh that's fucking whack but Oh, nice panel. <laughs> it was it was real weird, but like he got hated on for his style a lot. And another friend of mine used to get um, yeah he yeah he got like uh, there's a friend of mine that painted this real quirky um like European style. This was probably in 2004, and he was uh he's a real shy, timid guy. And these uh these bigger, tougher writers didn't like his uh didn't like his style. He was getting up everywhere as well, but they were just, they hated his style and they saw him um, on stage in a karaoke bar and they were just walking through the city and they looked in and he was up on stage and man, they really came in, ripped him off stage, put a knife to his throat, walked into the ATM and made him withdraw all his cash and he never did a piece again. Jeez. They're like, it was pretty rough scene out here. (laughs) That's wild, man. And it's like, if you're not painting the right style, like people will let you know, like your stuff won't last. Like, you know, people will get bashed because they're they're not painting the right style. That's wild, man. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely blessed to be in a scene that people, I mean, if you just do your thing, people let you be pretty much. Yeah. So long as you're not messing with everybody else, people don't really care. Yeah. But, um, Anyway. How was the coming up in the Melbourne art scene? Like, what is that kind of like? Or do you just kind of stick to yourself and do your own thing? I don't know. No, because with, with the podcast has really um, helped me out, I guess, and uh, and introduced me to a lot of people. But um, I don't know. I guess I'm when you say art scene, like there's all these like graffiti street art 
art scene bubble, which is pretty easy for me to move around in. But then there's this other like contemporary art scene, which is more people who have gone through the establishments and gone to art school and, hmm. you know, I don't know, and the gallery systems. And it's like um, I'm starting to sort of move around in that area a bit more. And it's very interesting, you know, because even the conversation we're having now, like they don't want to know about that side of my past. <laughs> like I've let a few things drop in the past. Like they'll ask me stuff and I, as like, I, I always give an honest answer and like, I'm not, I'm, I'm done with being ashamed of being a graffiti writer or anything like that. So I always tell them, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they'll be like, Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> but they, it just doesn't mean shit to them. You know, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, but they'll ask me, like I've even got a, um, in one of these consequence paintings, I did a painting of a, a train in a yard in a forest with a, uh, with a um, some panel with a, a wire all ripped open, um, like you know, the, the hole in the fence to get into the yard. And then with panels on the train, but it's like deep, like set right back in the painting. But it's all because I did a uh, a painting like that for myself, and it just bled off. I had extended the train and all that onto the canvas. But um, but the guy was asking me about that, and he's like, "Oh, so tell me, what's the train about?" And it's like, "Oh, well, it's I used to when I was younger, I, you know." frequented this yard and it was in the forest and you had to walk through the forest to get there and then we'd cut a hole and then we'd paint in there. And, um, and that was, uh, yeah. And he was a bit like, Oh, a bit blown away by it. Like, why would you put that on a, on a painting? You know? <laughs> why not? Yeah. I don't know. It was a bit weird. It was a bit weird. He didn't care. He was just like, Oh, so you're one of them, are you? And I go, no, I'm not one of them. I was one of them, but I'm, I'm me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they'll try to pigeonhole you a little bit. Yeah. The funny thing is he asked about the picture of my uncle and I told him that story and he loved it because it was more depth. He could, I don't know, but it was, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't really care about the fact that there's a train with panels on it. And I've, I've never incorporated graffiti in my art before. This is the first time though. Really? Yeah. But I, cause it's only because I did this one painting for um, Martha Cooper came to Australia uh, recently to promote a um, documentary that was made by, a friend of mine, Selena Miles. Yeah, I saw that. It was and, crazy. Um, yeah. And so she was here doing a talk and all that. And they had a night and they said, oh, they got different um, writers to do canvases. And they asked me to do one. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do one. And I thought, oh, they want it to be graphy and stuff. And so I did that same painting of the train in the, in the woods. And I um, ended up giving it to a friend. And every time I go to his place, I'm like, man, I love that. Like and he's like, yeah, it's my favorite. He goes, it's the best painting you've ever done. It's like, oh, thanks, mate. So, uh, so since then, I've uh, I wanted to repaint it, and that's why I repainted it for this, and it's ended up in this exhibition. And it's like, that's cool, um, man. Yeah, any writer that comes in comes into my studio and they've seen that, they 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 gravitate to that straight away. And it's like, I like having something for the writers. It's who it's. I've spent so much of my life doing it. You know, it's like why I'm not denying. Yeah, why uh, sever it? Yeah, friends. yeah. Yeah, but I'm not about to start doing graffiti canvases. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. You've got to be bloody good to sell one of them. If you're not Blade or someone like that, you know, like, I don't know. That's my theory anyway. I No diss to anyone that's doing that. but um, For sure, yeah. I don't know. Hey, Cope's making it work for him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, I had a couple of... You've got to be really good to, to do that. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry. I had a bit of a kind of a double take on sort of whatever my approach would be when I started doing a, a little bit more mural work. 
I, I was so deep in graffiti at the time that the first couple of murals I did were sort of like, I wouldn't say graffiti centric, but there was a little bit more graffiti involved in that. And I just kind of felt like, I don't know. I just would rather just keep graffiti in the streets and keep it actual graffiti. Like as soon as it gets over commercialized, it's not really graffiti that much anymore per se. You know, if you're already established and you're already like, like Os Gemios, or I, I don't exactly know how to pronounce their name, but like the, the dudes that paint the tall, like mm, yeah, yellow yeah. dudes. That's... Yeah. It's like, if you're them, yeah, you can continue to paint graffiti. Cause like you've pushed it to that level that we talked about before. That's just like far exceeding the capability of pretty much anyone else. And yeah. so it really pushed me to try to develop a style or an aesthetic that maybe carries some of the, the energy and some of the motion of graffiti, but doesn't just quickly read like that's mm. a graffiti piece, you know? And I struggled yeah. with that for a while. Mm. But one of my favorite paintings by Oz Jamios was um, they did that one that's inside a train carriage. And there's a whole bunch of riders in a train carriage and they're just standing there with their boom boxes and stuff. And um, some of the, there's tags all in like inside the carriage. There's uh, you can see, that there's it's been panelled outside as well, and it's like it's not a painting of graffiti, but it's so graph, and mm. only writers would really understand it. And like I love those type of um, paintings that sort of say this is a graffiti painting without actually just being a, a name on a canvas. You know, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because the other day I just finished like a, a new five set of paintings that I did, and in my studio I basically my studio is pretty much an abandoned building. I mean, generally speaking, the the lady who's leasing it to me, just like she hasn't had a tenant in there for five years. And she said, yeah, like it's going to cost a bunch if someone does work here to like get it in a place where it's actually commercially viable. So she's like, yeah, like you just paint whatever here. And um, I've been painting these bright canvases and I put them up against like this raw brick wall. And it literally like I, I stood back and took a glance at it and I was like, this is weirdly like a graffiti piece on a wall, but it doesn't say anything. It's not letters, but it, it just kind of looks like a flat burner. That's just like chilling on this raw wall. And it, I don't know, I, I kind of did a double take for a second because there's that moment when you do paint graffiti where, you know, you're there, you're in the moment you're producing something. And then when you step back, you kind of see it in situation and then it kind of hits you like, Whoa, like, okay, that's what this looks like essentially. And it, I don't mm. know, it's kind of cool to know that you can still produce something with maybe like that Osjimios painting where it has a similar vibe to graffiti that can be picked up on, but it doesn't explicitly just say like, here's a burner, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting too. Like the way that you were, were saying too, like you haven't really put any graffiti per se into your paintings before. Did it feel weird? Yeah, but I, but I'd already done that other painting. So I knew I, it was an opportunity for me to have the other painting. Cause I did replicated that the painting that my friend got on a large sheet of paper but i just made it double width so half mm. of it was on the um the canvas and like that you know fingers crossed that sells and i never see it again but the the paper section i kept for myself gotcha you know yeah but um yeah i i i've found that uh, i actually approach all my art like i am painting graffiti but i i do it in you know it's just painting different things like I still fill it in, outline it, drop shadow, you know, like highlights, like everything's, you know, background. I still do all, I go through the motions, but it mm. just, it's um, different things, different settings and objects. And, you know, if I'm going to paint a house, 
you know, I think of what's furthest back, like the sky, and then then there might be some trees and bushes, and I, I bring it all, I layer it all forward like I would do a piece. That's awesome, man. Mm. Yeah, graffiti does teach some some valuable like core tenets of I guess basics of art or those fundamentals without actually yeah. spelling them out. But that's what I've been. Um, you know, you you were saying earlier that um, you know my to you my art looks original, which is I take as a massive compliment. So thanks for that. But um, I think that comes also from the fact that I approach it like a graffiti piece because I look at um, those art fundamental things on uh, on YouTube. And there's all these lessons on this is how you do it and these are the colours you mix and da-da-da-da-da. But none of them are painted like a graffiti piece. Mm. You know, so I think that's another one of those influences that has really come through. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, if you follow all the rules to a certain extent, then it's like, man, we're going to have to hand build everything, mix our own pigments and then like paint it all with oil paint. (laughs) We'll Uh, just be stuck in the past. Yeah, I've never used oils. I've used oil sticks and stuff, but ah, it's just a pain in the ass. I've always been yeah. too scared, man. Like I, I'm colorblind, so like mixing colors by hand has always been like a tremendous struggle for me. Yeah. I mean, I can do it to a certain extent, but it, it's tough. I'll think it's one I, color when it's different. <laughs> yeah, I don't mix colors ever. Yeah, like I'll pour I'll, if I've got a left a little bit of paint left over, and I've got a color that's not um that's not covering too well. I'll just pour that other bit of paint in there. And hopefully it thickens up and I'll get a new color, whatever color comes. But that's once again, it's a like I just open a bucket of paint. I usually dip a roller in there and just start painting. And then um yeah, then add some spray paint over the top. Like cause I, I use a lot of um I find the best covering like acrylic paints, like bucket paints, are the ones that are sort of I don't know, they're sort of flat colours, you know, like greys and uh like light blues and muted tones. And then um, I use the spray paint to get the um, the punch. Like if you use a bit of yellow spray paint and dust it over the top of say like a white or something like that, it's going to pop a lot. Yeah. You know. Whereas if you try to paint the yellow in with acrylic, you're going to be there for all day. Do you ever use any <laughs> Seven, fluoros seven at all? coats. Yeah, I do, but I just um, they own the I'm, whole painting. Uh, <laughs> Whenever yeah, you use them, it's like bam. I'm just. I'm aware of the, I'm just cautious on the longevity of a fluoro mm. in a painting, especially if someone's hanging in their house where the lights, it's hitting the light. Like how long is it going to stay that fluoro? And if it's a key part of the piece, you know, um, the owner of it might be a bit bummed when they got white. <laughs> Two years in place later. Of, yeah. Place of a fluoro. So that's, that's one thing I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fussy with what spray paint I use. Like I'll only use, um, like brands that I can trust, like hopefully I can trust anyway. <laughs> For sure, man. But if but if I've seen paint fading in the streets, I won't use that. Uh, and I've, from things I've painted, um, I won't use that paint in the studio. Yeah, you've got a mental network of like, oh, these are in the don't use pile. These are in the continue to use yeah. pile. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Man. Yeah. That's what's up, dude. Well, I think that pretty much covers whatever things I was wanting to talk about. Um. I guess if you can just let people know where they can see the consequence paintings and, uh, you know, more stuff they can learn about your, your work, let yeah, us know. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, I've, I've built a, um, thing on my website. So Tom gerardcom And if you click on the tab that says consequence, um, it, it's got the full catalog in there, but there's heaps of photos of like the art being made and close-ups and stuff like that. And that's a good way to view it. Um, and the best ways in the, 
in the gallery. Anyone in Melbourne listening to this, check it out, Metro Gallery. It's on until uh, the 1st of May. And, um, yeah, check it out. On, I'll be posting a lot on Instagram. I'm going to do a walkthrough thing. Um, oh, cool. Like we were talking. But I'll do, um, I might just do piece by piece and post it on, uh, as IGTV or something like that. Or I'll put it on YouTube down the track. But, um, yeah, I know I'm really proud of this body of work and I'm real um, – so I've never pushed myself like this on an exhibition yeah. before, style-wise. And um, a lot of it's uh, – I don't know. It sort of flowed easily through watching all these videos on YouTube. It's uh, it's really got me thinking, you know. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Did you watch yeah. any of those uh, like great art explained in 15-minute videos? Oh, yeah. I love those things. <laughs> those man. are solid. Yeah, because it's only 15 minutes as well. It's worse when you see one that you really want to watch and it's like two and a half hours. It's like, man. Yeah, man. Like, fuck, can't you give it to me in 15 minutes? Like, it's <laughs> right. all, all you need is 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I watched lots of five-minute um, videos. And then, like, what I'll do if there's, like, a, an interview with an artist um, and it goes for, like, an hour or so, I'll put that at the end of the, the playlist and I'll watch all the videos. And then when it gets to the interview, I'll just put, I'll just keep the headphones in and go get back to work. Perfect, man. You That's don't need awesome. to watch that. <laughs> I've got, got work to do. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, Tom. This was super fun, man. And uh, yeah, it's crazy me, talking man. across the entire world, man. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, it is. I love it though. It's great, great being able to connect with people all over the world. Definitely, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm here in the middle of nowhere, United States, <laughs> middle of a yeah. bunch of cornfields, pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'm down in uh, Melbourne, the back pocket of the world, yeah, in Australia. I hope it's to like make it f- out there one furthest, day, man. Furthest you can get away from, like, <laughs> say, for Europe anyway. It's like the furthest you can go for Europe. For wow. the US, we can get to LA, you know, or West Coast from here. <laughs> Definitely, man. Well, if you're ever in the Midwest of the U.S. ever want to see some stuff that's not big cities, <laughs> yes, yeah. the land is here. <laughs> man, I've, I've, ro- I've road tripped across the states. It's something I'd happily do again. It's yeah. hard to see all of it. Like I zigzagged as much as I could. But uh, which states did you go to, if you don't mind me asking? Um, came up through Mexico, like lined up at the border and walked over, and then um, went. So we're in California and went all the way up to San Francisco, but we worked our way. We stayed with friends in LA and also in um, uh, San Diego. And then, um, and then zigzagged. Where did we go after that? Went to Vegas and went to, went through Utah, all the national parks there. Then went down to New Orleans and like Memphis and Nashville. And um, I don't know. Oh yeah. South Carolina, all up around the Carolinas went through there. Yeah. You guys did a lot, man. Yeah. Yeah, when you travel, you guys go hard. That's what's up. Yeah, that was a, that was on the the South American trip. Still, we'll still we'll st- that was the tail end of that. <laughs> Dang man, yeah, have you been we to Canada saw, yet? We saw some shit. No, I've got family up there, and apparently they live on a in a mansion with a lake, and they got like jet skis and stuff. And that sounds some, dope. You have to scoot up there, man. Yeah, my cousin went over and stayed with him. He's like, "You got to go stay with 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 Uncle Nick." <laughs> Uncle like, Nick, that's awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm planning my first honest, tra- honest travel tour. Um, we're leaving hopefully this June to go leave Indianapolis, kind of like you said, zigzag towards like Yellowstone, um, and then head towards like Washington State. And then after that, you know, if the border opens up, hopefully do Canada too. Um, I have mm. a buddy who lives in Saskatchewan, which is basically like kind of the middle of Canada. It's like the Midwest of Canada is basically what I would mm. call it. Um, 
So we're hoping to paint like landscape murals for like really small, really rural towns with like, you know, they may not even have a mural in their town whatsoever. So we're trying to go through, we're like building out a bus for the whole tour and stuff. And it'll be pretty interesting if we can pull it off. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited, man. man. I've never traveled that much. Yeah. It's good time to see your own country, you know, like I've always had sights on going overseas, but I'm traveling around Australia a lot more now. It's, um, it's the time to do it. You like you, you live in a beautiful country. There's so much, there's so many amazing landscapes and such such a diverse country you live in. You go, yeah, man. Go check it out. Both yeah. of us. I, dude, I see, yeah. I see photographs of like Yellowstone, all these national parks. Like, dude, I've only been to like, like Indiana's where I'm from. And occasionally we would go to Florida for vacation, but like, <laughs> that's basically the extent of my travel, dude. Mm. So like, I've, I've definitely felt the urge to just like get out and like, let's find a way to just see all this stuff. That's just chilling there in our country. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's on us if we don't check it out, you know? Yeah. I really like the, um, the South of Utah, all the um, national parks around there. That was, yeah, we have planned to hit parts. that up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy so we're doing landscapes. In a, in a, yeah. We we're doing it in a camper van. So it was good being out in the great outdoors, open fire every night and all that sort of stuff. But um, when you uh, when you hit the cities, it sucks. Like living in a camper van in the mm. city, like you need a, need need a piss and there's nowhere to go. And it's just like just things like that. It's just I don't know. It's like living on the street, people looking in your car in the middle of the night and you're sleeping and that. And yeah, it's pretty pretty raw in the cities, but uh, out in nature, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely, man. That that's why we got a bus for it. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll have a restroom and shower yeah. and all that stuff. It'll be interesting, yeah. man. I bet I was like roadside hosing off someone's <laughs> front yard, shit like that. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, life's for living, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, man, for sure, dude. Yeah. One person's adventures, another person's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, cool, cool, dude. This has been super fun, and um. I'm looking forward to seeing the consequence paintings more. They look ah. super dope, man. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I've been um I've been holding them off because it's it opens tomorrow, and I want people to go to the gallery and not have seen them. Felt like I've seen everything. So yeah, I'm just showing snippets for now. But like as of once it opens tomorrow, I'll, um I'll start putting some more stuff online. Perfect, buddy. Cool. Can't wait for it, man. Good luck. Thanks, Hopefully Nick. it goes well, dude. Cool. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I really enjoyed talking with you. Absolutely, man. It's good. Holler okay. if you're ever in the States, man. Peace. Will do. Likewise, if you're in Australia. Absolutely. I'm planning on it. We'll yeah, see. Come over. It's good over here. All right, All right man. Hey. See ya. Peace. Peace.